Welcome to Growth Colony. I'm Alex from X-Growth. Today, we've got an edited version of our ABM Talks session we held on Friday, June 18, 2021. ABM Talks are open AMA-style sessions for ABM experts and the curious to discuss what's happening in the world of account-based marketing and ABX. If you want to participate in one of these sessions, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Today, we're discussing the five key things you'll need before starting your first ABM campaign. So what are these five things? Who you'll need on board from the company, how to find your sales partner, clearly outlining your ICP and the accounts you're targeting, defining your success metrics, and what essential tools you'll need. Keyword there's essential. We'll be diving into each of these points in detail during this session. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value from it. So let's dive right into this session. And on that, let's, uh, I think let's get straight into it, Shaheen. So do you want to introduce us to uh, this topic of, you know, what, what we need to get started before we run our ABM campaign? Now, we have broken this down into five things we want to cover today. Um, I'll let you take it away. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks for the intro, Alex. Okay, so, so what are the what are the five things that um, that you need to cover? So, the reason we first of all decided to have a conversation about this is probably not as you know, with regards to ABM, this is a little bit different than than some of the other uh, marketing campaigns that uh, one might run, where the preparation time is a lot more than some of the other campaigns and it's it also correlates to to its success and and you know the results that you get but sometimes one needs to prepare the business and the leadership that hey at the beginning this is going to take time for it to ramp up but we're going to have that success afterwards so because of that it's really important to set those expectations early on um so that uh you know the ceo doesn't come and say Hey, where is the results? Where are the where are my leads? Where are the uh, where, where is the money in the bank? Um, it, it does it does take time, and we you know we put this together to talk about some of the areas that we found that are really crucial for for organizations to get right right at the get go before even jumping into a campaign to um, to make make ABM successful. Right. So the first one is um, and and this is the question we get often is who who will need to be onboarded from the company in order to make the make the campaign success, but also making sure that that everybody's on the same page. So there's some obvious answers to that, um, but also it, it really depends how you wanna leverage ABM. So if you listen to previous conversations or we had a conversation before, you know, you could leverage um, an account-based strategy at three different stages. You could leverage it for account uh, um, acquisition, you could, leverage it for pipeline support or pipeline acceleration, and you can leverage it for um, account expansion. So with those in mind, it, it sometimes you might have different people involved involved in your in your campaign or involved in in the initiative and the strategy. But what you what you do want to get is you want to have that leadership component in there. So you want to you want to get buy-in from from your leadership. And that depends on the size of the organization that you're dealing with. So if you're a startup, obviously the the one of the founders, CEO, definitely need buy-in from their side. And that's really key. And you really need to set that expectation with them that this is a long-term uh, approach that you're taking rather than a short-term thing, 
right? So leadership is really important from, from that perspective. But then you have, you have sales and you have different angles of, uh, of sales that you need to th- take into consideration. So if you're talking about acquisition, you really need to get on board the person who is leading the maybe SDR team. If there's one SDR, you need to get the SDR on board. If you're looking at pipeline acceleration, you need to talk to a- AEs. If you're talking to um, uh, maybe customer expansion, account expansion, you might need to talk to the AE or you might need to take take into consideration talking to the customer success. So those are some of the some of the people that you need to take into consideration, depending on what kind of campaign that you're you're running. One thing that I would that I would say is when you're trying to get people on board, it's really crucial to kind of show them the nirvana, show them what, you know, dig up some case studies of what people have done with, uh, with an account-based approach and what, what a campaign potentially going to look like, you know, what kind of success other people have had. Sell them on that dream early on so that you do get them excited for, for next step. At the same time, build that expectation that, uh, that it's going to take time. So you... I'll, I'll summarize. You're going to need leadership. You're going to need sales, and you need you need sales at different different angles. You need the um, you need sales management. You need uh, you need individual people in the sales team. You uh, also might need to uh, work with customer success. And the other component that I didn't touch on is working with sales sales ops. So if you have um, if you have somebody in the uh, in the organization that deals with the technology side of things and making sure that, uh, or, you know, sales ops is some, sometimes responsible for commission structure. That's really important to take those people into consideration because your, that structure could potentially change. A commission structure could potentially change for, for an SDR if, if you're working with them. So keeping them in the loop early on, really crucial um, uh, in, in the early days. So that's the first one, right? Number two is finding a partner. So, so number one was was getting getting buy-in from uh, from from the big team, and and the overall company. Number two is talking to to sales and finding a partner in sales. Now that de- depends on you know again what kind of ABM strategy you're running. If it's acquisition or if it's if it's um, if it's expansion. Uh, if it's acquisition, you might need an SDR. You, if it's if it's expansion, you might have an AE. If you're a smaller company, you might have just one salesperson. So your your life a lot is a lot easier. But that's really important to uh, to take into consideration when uh, when you're going. And and I can't emphasize this. They they think and and that person that you're going to partner with, they are they're there for the whole thing. It's not like you would touch base with them every you know, every two weeks and be like, Hey, this is what I've done. This is kind of like a little bit of the messaging. This is a little bit of the collateral I've put together. They're going to be in there for the whole process and they need to feel they're contributing. They need to feel like they're part of the process. All that, all those bits and pieces are going to, are going to get, are going to drastically increase the success of your campaign down the line. So that's number two. Number three, number three is this is probably an obvious one, and a lot of you are probably familiar with it. You need to have a good understanding of, of who your ICP is, who your ideal customer profile is, or if you you know if you are looking at a smaller number of accounts and ICP doesn't apply. ICP usually applies if you're looking at 
100, 200, 1,000 accounts, right? So you would have a criteria of, of basically evaluating whether those accounts are good or not. If that's not the case, if you're going after five accounts, for example, you got to be really clear in terms of the accounts that you're going after. And why are you going after those accounts? So one thing that happens quite often with, with ABM is organizations come in and say, you know what, these are the 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 uh, the accounts that have the highest likelihood of success. Sorry, they have the we're gonna get the most amount of money if we close them. They're worth five million dollars. That's good, and that's one criteria you got to take into consideration when you're selecting your accounts. But the likelihood of success is also important. So you know how how likely are we to actually you know landing these accounts? If we're if we're putting NAB in there and we have no case studies for financial services or no case studies that of organizations of that size, then the likelihood of success is really low, and it's going to be very hard to um, to uh, to you you know break into those accounts. The other thing that I would say is avoid sales coming with their dream team and picking those accounts because one, sometimes the sales would pick accounts that they've never been able to get into. And there's a reason that they haven't been able to get into them. Again, the likelihood of success for those accounts are, are low. Um, but also sometimes sales actually doesn't know all the accounts that are in the market. They, you know, they, they, they look at the, the accounts that they know of and they're like, hey, these are the companies that I want to go after. But there is a, there is a blind spot for, for sales um, because they're, they're relying on experience. So again, don't again, important to take into consideration sales input when you're selecting your accounts. But it's definitely not. Um, <coughs> sorry, it's not everything. Ask so that's number up question three. Yeah, go for it. How important is it to have um, sales there from the very beginning, building a strategy as well as building the creative for a campaign? Because I've heard of some situations where marketing has done all this prep work for um, a certain campaign or strategy, and they've presented it to sales, and sales has just gone. You know, we don't like any of this, and who know they might be spending two months or whatever putting all this work together just to have sales to push it back. Um, yeah, so we've yeah. got it's a, re- it's a really start, good situation. Right? Yeah, it's a really good situation when sales says, "I don't really like this." That's actually <laughs> that's actually not the worst case scenario because the worst case scenario is when you present you haven't involved sales at the beginning. You have put all of this together. And then you go out and you present it to uh, to sales, and then they're like, "Sure, marketing has has brought something else to the table. Sure, just put it there. Just put it there on the on the corner of the desk." And then you run the campaign thinking that you have buy-in from sales, and guess what? You don't have buy-in. And then you rely on certain activities from sales, and that gets pushed out because they don't really think it's going to work, or they you, you know they they really haven't bought into it. And you have some outreach components doesn't happen. It gets pushed out. Oh, sorry, I got a, I got a tender. I got to sort out. I, we got a sales in the in the pipeline. And then they also refer to their to the to the boss, to the uh, you know to their superior and say, Hey, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to close this deal that is almost close to uh, to uh, you know closing? And they're signing the deal or, or focus on this campaign. And the boss is going to obviously say, No, no, no. We're going to hit our numbers. Focus on this. So that's the worst case scenario of, of you not getting them involved, presenting something, they saying, yeah, that looks good, but there's no full, full buying. The second um, uh, the, the scenario above that is 
you put something together and you present a sale and they're like, I don't think this is going to work. That's actually good because you haven't gone into execution and then lose face and have a, have a campaign that will flop. Right. So, so that's the first thing that I would say, but having sales involved in the whole process has been the guarantee of some of the best campaigns that we've ran. And it, it, and having them from early on and getting full buy-in from them is super crucial. Uh, the whole, what call it whatever you want, sales and marketing, buy, uh, alignment, buy-in, whatever it is. Having sales involved is really crucial. Marketing usually brings the um, the initiative to the table. Sales buy-in has to be has to be um, secured from the marketing side. So, really cru- crucial from day one. So, what do we got? We got some some questions as well. How do you measure ROI account based marketing approach? Oh, that's oh, uh, yeah. that's got some other questions here that have been sent to me. Let's well. let's cover that later because I, I think that that's a little bit hard to um, actually. We'll, we'll we'll touch on that in number four. Um, who's uh, who's that from? It's from SM. I don't have a name. Okay. Um, right. Okay, that's all good. That's all good. Uh, yeah. Um, let's let's talk about number four, all right? Because number four, we're talking about defining the uh, success metrics. So before you start your campaign, you want to define what does success look like for the campaign. And it's really important because most organizations are used to either demand gen or, you know, maybe lead generation. And some of the metrics that you look at over there are, are different than some of the other metrics that you look at in, uh, in account-based marketing. So what I would say is some of the other, again, demand gen, um, uh, lead generation and all that stuff, they are, I, I usually say they, they're very similar to tennis. You got one person who's responsible for hitting an objective and getting that done. And that might be generating MQLs, that might be generating just leads and passing that to sales. But it's really the marketing department is like one unit and it has to get those, uh, those numbers. It's very similar to tennis. Where you move to the ABM space, it's like going from tennis and starting playing soccer. And you have 11 people on your team and you have to coordinate with everybody. And it's really only through that coordination that you're going to get the success that you're looking for. So that becomes the coordination component becomes crucial, but also your metric needs to change so that it will accommodate that, um, that, that change of, of team and team structure. What I also would say is when you score a goal with ABM, the whole stadium explodes um, as opposed to, you know, with tennis that somebody says 15 love, right? There's, there's also that difference. And, and the, you know, your, your scoring might be less frequent but it's usually with a lot more roar, with with uh, the, the higher dollar value attached to it. Um, you know, it, it it might even move faster than some of the other deals uh, through the pipeline, so on and so forth. So that's that's one thing that I usually say to people to think about um, that you can't use your your isolated make metrics that you would use for demand gen for for ABM. So you, you need to start thinking about um, the, uh, when, when you're, there are different metrics that you measure if you're again, looking at net new acquisition or you're looking at pipeline acceleration or, or uh, talking about um, account expansion, but let's talk about net new acquisition. 
your metrics, because you're look, you're working with, for example, an SDR, an account, uh, account net new acquisition, your metrics become more like, you know, have we booked a, a, um, a good meeting for the SDR team? So the meeting that we booked, did the SDR team go in there and say, you know what, this was a good meeting. And then have we booked meetings that may either the SDR or the AE can can put a dollar value associated with it and say, you know what, we've had this conversation. This could potentially be a $200,000 deal. This could potentially be a $50,000 deal. Those are some of the metrics that you really want to drive the organization towards and, um, and, and strive for rather than talking about MQLs or rather than talking about um, uh, some of those, some of those metrics that, uh, that we, we previously have been talking about. Right. So success, changing your success metrics is really important. The other thing is I've touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, it's really important to also think about how your sales team is being, being compensated for what they're doing. So if your SDRs are being compensated on meetings booked, right? And they have a target of 20 meetings booked per month or per week, that number falls apart. If you're looking at ABM and you're targeting 20 accounts in total, they're not going to be able to book 20 meetings a week. That's, that's not how it works. Now, previously, that model was developed so that they would book enough meetings so that there some good stuff comes out of it at the other end for the AEs. With account-based marketing, you're, you're looking at very qualified accounts. So if they're booking a meeting, that, that meeting is pretty qualified. So, but if you don't change the way they're compensated, an SDR will come and say, you know, I'm not going to work with you on these 20 accounts because maybe I can just book five meetings. I won't even hit my target. I won't get my commission, you know, yada, yada, yada. So that's why I was saying having uh, sales ops involved is really, really important for, um, for the process. So that's number four. I've got one more left and that's the tools part. But do we have uh, any questions? Yeah, we got, well, Ranji's got one about questions anyway here. He's asked, how can you touch on some, uh, can you touch on some foundational tools and tech stacks for solid AVM? So um, we're about to touch on that. Um, but Ranji has another question and I'll read it out. And Ranji, if you want to jump on and add any follow-ups, absolutely feel welcome to. Man, let's have Ranji come on and, and ask the question. Ranji, you want to you wanna unmute and, and shoot the question? Uh, yeah, so my question was around B2B events that we do. So typically you have uh, your sales prospects for the upcoming quarter or upcoming year attend these sort of events. Uh, but how do we use ABM to better uh, nurture new relationships and drive, uh, you know, football to these events? Yeah, that's a good one. That's and that's probably getting more popular. I mean, it's probably getting popular in Sydney. Around you, are you in Sydney? Are you where, where are you based? Uh, I'm in Sydney. Yeah, this kind of question you don't get. This kind of questions from Melbourne um, come come <laughs> right out of lockdown. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so I, I know Sydney is getting a lot more active with uh, with events, um, and that's a, that's a solid question. Um, there yeah. are definitely strategies. Probably. Probably you could uh, touch on hybrid events as well. I forgot to add that. I didn't yeah. mean uh, uh, just face-to-face, uh, -face, but hybrid. Yeah, so some of the strategies that we've seen work really well um, with, uh, with 
the events that you, let's let's say you're running, uh, you, you have a booth um, at an event, and uh, you're uh, you're you know you're you're running it. Traditionally, you've ran it as, hey, we have a booth, and we'll stand there and we see who comes in, and scan their barcode, and you know, thank you very much. You have a great day, right? The other approach that you could take is you can actively before before you have a, a, an event. Um, sometimes you would know who is attending. Uh, sometimes you could have a pretty sophisticated guess of who are the people that are going to come in. Or sometimes you might say, you know what, I really want these people to attend and see what we're doing. So what you what you do is you do that preparation beforehand. And you, you, you for example, say there are 50 accounts that are really important for us. We really want them to come. And you, you create an incentive for them to come to the event and make sure that they come to your booth. I'll give you an example. So one of the campaigns that, that was previously uh, designed was um, the the organization got the headshot of people that they really wanted to connect with, right? And they they put them on these bubbly heads, and they sent an email. It was a you know sophisticated campaign. There was proper cadences, and there was going out. But really, the message was. Hey, Ranju, we'd love to meet you. Uh, what, we've, what we've also done, we have a kit ready for you, personalized kit, kit ready for you. We also have a bubbly head of yours. Um, and they had like a small bubbly head. There was a photo of it attached. And please, if you want to collect it, just come to the booth and, and, uh, and we, have, we have all the goodies there, right? So you're driving engagement um, to, uh, to the event at those specific accounts that you're, uh, you're going after, but you're doing it beforehand, right? The other thing that you can do is you can think about how can you engage some of these accounts after or maybe in the middle or in the evening if, it, if it's like a two-day, three-day event, in the evening of day one, in the evening of day two of having a private um, gathering, a private, private um, not a private party, but a private dinner. Um, again, having those dedicated and specific accounts that you want to go after and the individuals within those and reaching out and saying, hey, before, this is before the event. We have this private um, private gathering. We're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about the state of X, fill in the blank, uh, and would love to have you there. We have this is exclusive to 20 people or 10 people, and uh, would, would love to host you there. Right? So these are all some of the strategies. that you, There are definitely a lot more strategies that you can implement when it comes to events, um, but these are definitely some of the strategies that you can think about um, when you're uh, when you're thinking of rolling these uh, kind of infusing ABM into your events. One thing that I would say is a lot of organizations think about ABM as just another channel. Like you, they have their content marketing, they got their SEO, they got their um, email marketing, they have their you know all that stuff they have, and then there's ABM at the, at the end as well on another channel. Um, it, it, PR events, right? They're all, they're all considered a channel. Usually, the best way to think about it is ABM kind of comes on top and, and can, can feed into all these, all these strategies. It can literally, you can incorporate it with your SEO. You can incorporate it with your events. We just discussed it. Um, you, could, you could incorporate it with your PR. There's so many things that, uh, that, and that's why a lot of people talk about ABM being a strategy rather than being a, um, a, just a campaign or a tactic. So, um, so hope that helped. Hope that helped. All right. Anything about the uh, yeah? I was saying anything you want to mention about like experiential events online. Um, look, I to to be very honest with you, 
I haven't come across and I haven't seen somebody doing a virtual event and for me to be blown away, right? I, I just haven't, haven't come across it yet. And a, a lot of people have asked me that. I just haven't seen it done, uh, you know, like, yeah, there, every, every event that I've seen, it's like maybe 5% better. It's like, oh, that's cool. That's a, that's a cool feature. But somebody that would come in and, you know, that, that nirvana of, of hybrid or, or virtual events that is just amazing. It blew me away. It was the experience was fantastic. You know, there are, there are organizations that come in with tools and, you know, there are a number of them, you know, also very active in, in Australia that they say, you know, you could download our things on the, on the webinar and you have a section to chat and you have this and the, yeah, they're cool, but they're they're really five percent. So I I wouldn't make any comments on that front. I think again, there are some strategies that you can use. You can definitely leverage outreach at the beginning of before a, a virtual event to drive people to um, to your event. There are there are definitely tactics that you can leverage afterwards. But in itself, a virtual event that blows me away. I haven't come across it to be honest. And and if somebody has has done, I mean, Ranjo, you got you got you got a question. If somebody has come across. Um, something, please jump on and, and share. Ranju, you want to say something? Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. I think most uh, the most uh, incentive you could say for them to attend is the post-event networking, right? So when you gather around for maybe a lunch or for drinks or something. So I think since that's missing in the online space, uh, what we could do instead is probably have a larger section of your team involved probably a mix of your tech, your sales, your marketing, your pre-sales, and sort of focus your events around specific companies or specific uh, your target accounts instead of having a mass event. I think in that way, you sort of create that experience for them. Yeah, that's that's true. That's a good, that's a good point. And there are examples of, um, so if you're running one-to-one campaigns, um, you could potentially do that one to one to few ABM campaigns as well. Just like you said, Ranju, having having events that are dedicated for one account, and hey, we've we've put this campaign together for you. Um, we're you know we're gonna send you. You're working from home. We're gonna we're gonna also order some food for you. It's gonna arrive before the before the event. We're gonna sit down. We're gonna have a chat. That's also possible. And then there are you know there are all the other ones that are more popular now, like whiskey tasting or wine tasting, um, virtual events or stuff like that. They're, you know, they're, they're definitely cool and, and, uh, and, and hip, but usually reserved for those kind of like really high tier one-to-one, one-to-few that you have a big budget to, to spend. So, um, but in terms of like big virtual events, I, I personally haven't, uh, can't say I've, I've come across something that, that blew my socks up. So, all right, stock number number. Anything else? Anybody wants wants to uh, jump in on this one? I noticed Triska the Triska joined as well. Um, uh, probably five minutes in, but uh, yeah, if anyone wants to jump in, please feel free. Let's talk about number five. Let's jump up, talk about number five. So so that's the tool component, right? And I would say this. We put tools in there because we know everybody loves to talk about tools. Okay. Tools are sexy. Everybody likes to, you know, we, we love to build our tool stack. And we said, uh, we were talking with Alex and we're like, you know what, let's talk about tools. What I would say 
is you can run a really successful ABM campaign with minimal, minimal tools, almost non-existent. Um, so, so keep that in mind when we're going through through this. But what are some of the tools that you usually see? What are the, what are the key tools that you know, um, in, especially in the ABM space, when you're exploring, you're gonna you're gonna see. So, and these tools mix between sales and marketing. So again, that's that's the whole concept that I'm talking about. That you can't really you should not separate them. You shouldn't put them into different departments. So, the first thing that um, that uh, that is there's a tool that you know we it's the first tool that we recommend for somebody to implement is a sales engagement um, platform. So sales engagement platform could be like SalesLoft, um, Outreach. You know those are some of the tools that that you can you can look at. But it's really think about marketing automation, but sales engagement for marketing automation is for people who've opted in. Sales engagement are for people who have not opted in um, to your. Uh, your campaigns or they haven't filled the form that you have somewhere in on the web so that's the that's the that's the first tool um, and it's really become more prevalent if you're looking at an abm campaign that it, that includes let's say 100 accounts um it's it the the benefit of it reduces when you're looking at you know let's say four accounts or 10 accounts uh it's not as beneficial but that's that's one of the um first areas to look at Intent data providers, that's another big one. Uh, that, that information kind of helps with your account selection. It helps with your account prioritization to say which accounts you want to go after, which accounts you want to give more love. So that's, again, um, another uh, tool stack that, uh, that you could incorporate. They're usually pricey. They're not cheap. All ABM tools are, are usually quite, uh, quite not all, I, I exaggerate. Most ABM tools are quite expensive, but, uh, but Intent is definitely one. You know, you you have people like more Tech Target is 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 very active in, in Australia. Bombora is another one, but you know these are probably some of the early um, um, early movers in the space. But now there is a plethora of them uh, providing intent data. So that's number two. Number three uh, is IP targeted ads. So a platform that allows you to um, uh, identify IP addresses of organizations and then target them. These are, these are these tools have become less effective um, as uh, as people have gone home and work from home. But again, some of the if you're targeting big organizations, they usually have requirements for people to log in through VPN, and therefore the IP address stays the same. So um, so that's that's another tool. It's it's a complement, for example, to LinkedIn. If you're running LinkedIn ads, that's a that's a pretty good compliment. They, you know, usually talk to people and they say um, you have. Uh, uh, they would they would say we use IP targeted ads and cookie cookies to uh, to kind of triangulate that and identify people better. That's going to become even worse when kind of cookies go away. So, um, but IP targeted ads is another one. Reverse IP tracking. So reverse IP tracking is. Very similar to what I mentioned about IP ads, IP target ads, reverse IP tracking, what, what they do is they identify the accounts that come on your website, they come on your digital assets and they consume your, your content. And then it's similar to um, lead scoring. 
but for accounts that have not identified themselves. So it allows you to understand what are they consuming? How much time are they consuming it? Uh, where have they gone on your website? Where have they looked at your landing page and stuff like that? And it helps you to score um, accounts a little bit more. Again, I've put these in order because again, it's not a silver bullet. It, it, you know, it gives you a little bit of visibility Sometimes it doesn't even work as well. Uh, they can't identify the accounts. Maybe they will only be able to identify 20% of the accounts, uh, but it's definitely one of the, one of the other tools to, to think about. So some of the big providers there are our um, demand base. Uh, well, Engageo that now that they've integrated with demand base is six cents. It's um, it's uh, and, and there are a few other tools out there as well, but you know, again, it's another good layer to put, put on. The next one is uh, is web personalization. So, does the same thing. It, it it understands the IP address of the of the person that's coming on the website, links the IP address, for example, to NAB, and it personalizes the website that you come in. Right? Um, not a silver bullet. Not a silver bullet by any means. Again, it's hard to identify these IP addresses. You know, there's a lot of noise around how awesome these tools are. They sound amazing from um, when when we talk about it but not a silver bullet, but again, another tool that you, you're going to see and you're going to hear about in the ABM space. And, and then there is a whole plethora of these smaller organizations that offer different things. These are these, the ones that we went through, they're, they're the main ones. And then there are the smaller tools that like there are tools that would, you would feed them the accounts that you've targeted in the past and they would look at the criteria of those accounts that would take into consideration firmographic, technographic, um, and all that information. And they're, through their AI, they spit out another list of accounts of, hey, you should maybe target these other accounts. Not great for, for Australia, not great for APAC, much better for, for US. Their AI works a lot better there. But what I'm trying to say, you're gonna see a lot of smaller players offering like niche products and I would say if you if your ABM tech stack is really not mature, do not go with them because they're really built for those organizations that they're at they're at like ninety percent maturity and they want to go from ninety percent to ninety two percent, and they're big enough that that two percent is going to make an impact. So um, so that's the tech stack. That's the that's those are the usual tools that that you would see for um, for AB, when, when you know when somebody talks about ABM, they talk about tools. Those are some of the stuff that you see. So those are the five things that we went through. I'll, I'll, I'll just review them and then we'll have a look if, there, if we have any questions. So number one was you need to onboard the, the main people from the company, find the partner in sales if you're in marketing, um, uh, get very clear in terms of your ideal customer profile or the accounts that you're going after and don't, don't just accept them at face value. Uh, number four, um, we talked about the sales metrics and making sure, make sure that you look at this as a, as a soccer team rather than a tennis match. Um, and then the last one is, uh, think about your tools, not a silver bullet. You don't necessarily need tools, but there are definitely certain areas that you could, you could look at. So that is, uh, that's pretty much it. That is, uh, we got, do we have any questions? Um, do you want to dive a bit deep into the, how to measure the ROI of an account-based approach. I think this question might be from Shrikanth. I'm guessing just from the initials. Okay. 
Um, Srikas, you wanna you wanna jump on? You gonna unmute and uh, and shoot the question? Sure, Vani. Yes, uh, that is me. <laughs> I'm one of the lazy guys, so I just put initials to make it quick. Um, um, but yes, uh, <clears throat> so essentially, uh, I'm a strong believer in saying that if you can't measure, you can't improve. Um, so, but again, when it is an account-based uh, um, marketing, and it takes a long time uh, compared to uh, selling a product on a retail store. Why? So, how do we capture? What are the elements to look for in um, and assessing uh, are we getting enough uh, returns to the investment that you are putting in terms of salaries or licensing costs for the tools or events cost and everything? Yeah, that's a that's a good one. And uh, you're right; it does take time. In in you know B two B sales, B two B space in general, your sales cycle might be six months, nine months, twelve months. You go after government two years. Um, it, uh, it, it can be very long and you want to make sure that you know that you're on the right track before you get to two years and, you know, you get to two years and be like, oh, we didn't get revenue. I guess we were not doing it right. Um, that's probably not the best, best approach. So usually with, with, um, with ABM, you want to have an approach that, um, that you look at short-term KPIs, you look at midterm KPIs and long-term KPIs. Point of caution from what you, you've also mentioned is, you know, you want to measure everything. And that has become, that's become really big in, in the marketing space. Everybody wants to measure everything. You know, attribution is a big thing um, and it's a, it's a big factor. But there is a downside to that. Um, and I will come back to the, to the KPI, but I'll, I just want to mention this. There is a downside to that because there are certain things that you can't measure and they do have an impact. But because you can't measure that, marketers don't do that because because they can't go and say, you know, look look at look at the numbers that I have. You know, we we got this from here. I posted on LinkedIn, and this account looked at it, and that was an impression that they got from us. Now it does have an impact, but you can't measure it. You can't measure who is going to listen to your podcast. You can't measure those those components, and and because of that, because of the whole approach to everything should be measurable. Um, we start moving away from some of those because we can't justify the ROI, and they do have an ROI. Uh, most of the most of the um, the prospects hang out in places that most of the times are really hard to measure, and uh, and it's really important to take that into consideration. Now, with that in mind, let's go back and talk about KPIs. Now, the good thing about ABN is that you know the accounts that you're targeting, and you you can at the end see whether you got ROI or not versus Maybe an inbound strategy where you're looking at, you know, here, here are all the all the leads that are coming in. Uh, can, how can you say that this person looked at our blog here and then listened to our podcast and then did this and did that and then they become a lead and now they become a customer? Therefore, marketing is going to take credit. It's really hard to do that. Um, but um, but with, with with ABM, that's that's a lot clearer. Where you have the target accounts, you got your um, you, and you want to turn these accounts into revenue. And then there are stuff that happens in the middle that some, some of them can, you can attribute, some of them you can't. Um, but it's important to have uh, short-term, medium-term, and long-term metrics. These metrics could be different depending on um, uh, whether you're doing account expansion or you're doing uh, um, uh, net new acquisition. The other thing that I would say is if you're rolling out an ABM campaign, Pick accounts with shorter sales cycle. 
right? So, so don't all of a sudden go after, unless you are an organization that only serve government, don't go after government agencies right off the bat that is going to take, you know, two years or a year to, to close. Go after accounts that have a shorter sales cycle. But even with those, think about some of those metrics. Are we booking meetings in? You know, are we getting meetings booked in our, uh, <laughs> sorry, in our calendar with our, with our sales team? that our sales team are saying these are meaningful meetings. Are we, um, are we seeing engagement from, uh, from these accounts? So that's a, probably a stage beforehand. Are we seeing engagement from, you know, maybe if we're using some of the tools that we talked about, IP, um, reverse IP lookup, are they, are they coming to our website? Are we seeing an increase of, of view time from these, from these accounts, from our assets? I understand they're, they're probably the softest and the fluffiest metrics, but there's still, there is a correlation to, to them um, uh, leading into the next step, whereas we're talking about meetings. And then gradually go up, then look at pipeline. Um, are we generating any pipeline from these, you know, in six months time? Are we um, having, uh, and, and ultimately you wanna have a look at, uh, look at revenue. The metrics are usually specific to a business um, and also depends on your uh, the the length of sales cycle, and it also depends on what you're doing. So if you're if you're for example doing account expansion, you want to look at is our NPS increasing um, from these organizations that we're going after? Do we have more contacts than we previously had within these within these accounts? So if if our sales team we had a we had a meeting with our sales team and they were saying that we know you know five people within this account. Have we increased that to maybe eight people within that account that they're, they know us and they're a supporter of us? Uh, those are, again, some of the metrics that you can look at when you're looking at an account expansion. Hope, uh, hope that helps. Is there any follow-ups on any of that for anybody? Yeah, I think from uh, one of the things that you were doing in terms of uh, stage-based uh, measurement, like I was mentioning earlier, uh, as in, okay, so this is going to be taking uh, six months and uh, you know what sort of interest that we are getting and uh, what sort of questions are we getting? So we kind of, uh, um, it is still a guess uh, uh, area anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, so what we were kind of doing with what we know so far is, uh, hey, uh, are there more inquiries uh, to ask more information about the products or services that we are offering? Um, are they coming to the events that we are offering? And are they responding to uh, our post on the company post for the on the LinkedIn? So we are kind of uh, trying to see all the different uh, touch points, if I can call that, and then see which ones, how many touch points are getting there activated um, and try to see if there is an engagement. Any thoughts on that? Touch points. Yeah, I think I think those look those are those are all valuable information to measure, right? Um, because also big or if you if, especially if you're going after big organizations, um, it, it's it's not the straight. Hey, I filled the form and I like to see a demo. It, that's not usually the case. It's it's those interactions that you want to measure. Just on social, you you've, you've mentioned that as well. That some of these some of these tools, I think Engageo even integrates with social. Um, in order to uh, kind of capture that information with regards to an account. But what you also, you know, you got to keep in mind, you also want to look at that at a granular level at an account that you're going after um, and, and to see if that, that is increasing. Sometimes it's really challenging. It becomes, if you're going after 20 accounts, 
monitoring social, monitoring, um, maybe events are a lot, lot easier. Your webinars are a lot easier, but those are all factors that you can, you can measure. You're absolutely right, um, uh, Sirkanth, that those are all factors that you can measure in order to contribute to, you know, your, the engagement and your reputation in that account as increases. Now, at some point, you definitely want to further move them up the, uh, down the funnel and, and have more aggressive is not the right word, but activities that would show higher intent. So for example, you've had people interacting with your social, uh, um, social post. You have people that have, you've been seeing that that account is, is coming on your website. You're seeing that they're attending your webinars, all those components. Then you want to add another layer of saying, okay, let's have an outreach. Let's have a salesperson reach out to these key, key, uh, key decision makers within this account uh, and offer something a little bit more. Maybe it would be about, hey, would love to do a, um, a one-to-one with you and, and tell you a little bit about that product. It could be as, as straightforward as, as sales if you feel comfort, uh, confident enough. So that's definitely part of the equation. And um, you know, it's important to measure those components that you mentioned but just make sure that you're taking that next step as well. And don't, don't just leave it to, you know, they're, they're attending our events, they're engaging with our social. We're just going to sit back and see when they're going to fill a form and say, hey, we would love to buy from you, right? Don't leave that to chance, especially in APAC. Um, in the U.S., it happens quite a lot more. The U.S. business culture is a lot more, um, tends to, people tend to reach out on their own a lot more than the Australian market and the APAC market where people might be a little bit more, business culture is a little bit more conservative and sometimes people would need a little bit of a nudge. Great, uh, thanks for that. No problem, no problem. And I think that's, uh, do we have any other questions, Alex? Um, I think that's-, that's Andrew has sent me something. Um, it's a little off topic, but you know, it's good. And some of this stuff we might be able to provide. Uh, Ranji, if you want to, is the question about resources, if you want to ask it. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, if you had some sort of resources or reports on um, a typical career path for an ABM or demand gen person, and what sort of growth rates these markets have right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about, I can't really tell you about the growth rate of the market, um, but with regard and demand gen is different than than ABM in terms of the career paths, right? So with demand gen, you see people from a lot of digital marketers get into demand gen. Um, that's uh, that's that's fairly common to see that transition. That somebody was, you know, maybe they they started with doing Facebook ads, right, or LinkedIn ads, and and then they kind of grew that knowledge into. Um, now I know a little bit about content. I know a little bit about SEO. I know a little bit about some of the other areas and they move into, move into demand gen. So that's the, usually the transition that you see with demand gen. Um, when it comes to uh, ABM, you usually see people with a, um, with a sales background, SDR background, um, field marketers. Uh, these are some of the, some of the, some of the positions that are probably best fit. Um, even, I probably say less to a less degree channel marketers, um, they move into uh, a kind of like a full on ABM role um, and, uh, and, and run ABM campaigns, manage ABM campaigns, predominantly because these, these 
roles have a closer relationship and a better understanding of sales. That's why you see these um, these career transitions in the um, in the in the ABM space as opposed to demand gen. So um, so that's that's on that front. And uh, look, we can we can definitely shoot through some resources. We got some resources, um, and I can send through some um, some resources from from a few external um, ones that uh, I think they're they're valuable. There's a lot of noise out there. But be careful. There's a lot of noise out there. Um, but uh, I, we can definitely send that send some of that through to you. Awesome. Thanks. Okay. No problem, sir. All right. I think that's a uh, that's a wrap, Alex. Is it? Pretty much. Has anyone got any last final questions or comments they want to add? I don't think so. Think if you do, just yell out. And we're good to go. Yeah, well, thanks so much for tuning in this morning, everybody. Uh, absolute pleasure to spend the morning with you. Um, so we'll announce the next ABM Talks uh, soon. And we, of course, would love to know what you'd like us to cover um, during these sessions. So if you've got an idea for a topic that you want us to cover in more detail around ABM or ABX, uh, please feel free to reply to any of my emails that you've got. Um, and you should get a quick survey email after this, just with a, you know, a happy or a sad face, basically. You can respond to that one as well if you've got some uh, uh, ideas that uh, you'd like us to uh, cover. So we look, oh, Ranju's got one last question um, before we wrap up. Yeah, just really quick. I just uh, probably a suggestion to get someone who's actually implemented ABM throughout the whole customer journey and sort of get their pitch next time to get a better perspective. Yeah, that's a good one. You see, you know what the challenge with that is? Usually, Ranju, the challenge with that is it's hard to fit it in one hour. There's just so many bits and pieces that go in and it's not, you know, it's usually these conversations are about um, 30, 40 minutes plus questions. Um, it's really hard to fit those in, but let me, let, let us have a think about it and we'll see if we could, uh, if we could put something together and uh, make it happen. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's leave it at that. Um, again, feel free to send over any comments you have uh, later on and have a great weekend. Have a great Friday. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you all in the uh, next ABM Talks. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody. See ya. See ya. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to join our next ABM Talks session live, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for the support. And we'll see you in the next one.